Welcome to the New Faces of Democracy podcast, the show featuring inspiring conversation with people at the grassroots and the grass tops, doing extraordinary things to stand up for our democracy. I'm your host, Nancy Bynum. This podcast celebrates people who are transforming our political landscape by organizing, running for office, or generally striving to make our democracy live up to its promise of a more perfect union. I hope their stories will inspire you to learn more about them or to take action on your own. Head over to newfacesofdemocracy.org for easy links to subscribe, follow on social media, and to get more inspiration. On my last episode with Stacey Kramer, we got a bird's eye view of why we need to support grassroots groups in swing states. This week, I'm following up with a boots-on-the-ground perspective from Diana Robinson, Civic Engagement Director at Make the Road, Pennsylvania. Diana and I discuss her group's support of working-class Latinx communities year in and year out, and how that translates into votes for Democrats when elections roll around. We also discuss what life is like in a deeply divided battleground state like Pennsylvania, how the group's advocacy is making a real impact, and why they need money now to knock on doors and educate voters before the elections. Here's my conversation with Diana Robinson. Diana Robinson, welcome to New Faces of Democracy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Diana, what is Make the Road PA and what do you do there? Make the Road Pennsylvania is a community organization that organizes in the Latino community across Pennsylvania. We do voting rights education, voter registration, and work on issues like housing, fair wages, and immigrant rights issues. So we have three offices across the state of Pennsylvania in Allentown, Reading, and Northeast Philadelphia. And we have 10,000 members across the state. And what do you do there? I'm the Civic Engagement Director at Make the Road Pennsylvania. So I help lead our efforts around voter registration, a defense around democracy and voting rights, and just voter education and protection. Great. And how long has Make the Road Pennsylvania been around? Yeah, so Make the Road Pennsylvania was founded in 2014 in Reading, Pennsylvania. That was our first office there. Oh, so it's pretty recent. Yeah, we're a pretty new organization, but really proud of the great work we've been able to do in this short amount of time. Yeah. And what what was the genesis of the first office? I mean, what what did you you all see that you needed that felt needed to be addressed? Yeah, so Make the Road Pennsylvania is part of a larger umbrella of Make the Road states. So there are Make the Roads in New York, New Jersey, Nevada, Connecticut, and also Pennsylvania. And really, I think in Pennsylvania, what we were seeing is we wanted to learn what were the issues that the community was being affected by. We saw the growth in the Latino population then, and now we've seen it grow even more. So ensuring that that community had representation and that we are understanding what were the issues affecting the community and how we could advocate for them. So that's how the office in Reading actually opened was we did a canvas. We were knocking on doors and hearing from community members what were the issues that were most important to them. And that helped us launch our organization there and kind of start organizing around those issues that were impacting the community. Great. And what are your primary policy objectives at Make the Road Pennsylvania? Yeah, our primary policy objectives really focus on immigrant rights, housing, democracy. So we have various issue-based campaigns. Our members were heavily affected by the pandemic a lot of them being undocumented and not having access to any relief. So in 2020 and 2021, that was a major focus of our work and housing continues to be. Currently, we're focused on the whole Home Repairs Act here in Pennsylvania to 
ensure that repairs could be made to homes, but also that they're environmentally friendly and taking into account climate change and how that's impacting homes. People have more cases of flooding and things like that, and they're not covered by insurance. So how are we ensuring that people can afford these repairs and are being kept safe when we have these new climate conditions that we haven't had in the past? Mm-hmm. So on my last episode, I spoke with Stacy Kramer, who I know you know, and she made the case that grassroots groups such as yours are a better investment than campaigns for Democratic donors, because you all build the democratic infrastructure. Can you explain how you accomplish that? And in other words, how does your work at Make the Road Pennsylvania translate into votes for Democrats? Yeah, so, you know, what we're doing is we're always out in our communities talking about issues that are impacting our community. We're trusted messengers in our community. Folks in our community look to us as people that can help them make decisions about who to vote for, what policies are important. So I think that is key in any efforts to elect someone or to get out the vote is ensuring that people are hearing from people they can relate to and understand that community. And I think that's why that's important. And why Stacey said that is because we are doing this work. We are the organizations that are out knocking on doors. We're hearing from community members and we're helping for them to make informed decisions about who to vote for. And because they have trust in us, we're the best messengers to do so. And because we're from the community, we are impacted by these issues as well. We have a stake in it. So for us, it's something that is really important to do. So you've mentioned a lot of the different things you work for. I'm sorry, you work on some related to, say, democracy, and we'll get to those. But can we dig a little deeper on the services you provide to your community, like year in, year out? Just like just some specific examples of ways you help the community. Yeah, so this past year, we actually were able to make thousands of calls around rent relief and help hundreds of renters apply for rent relief. It was a program that was in the three cities that we were working in, and we wanted to ensure that people took advantage of that benefit and got the assistance they needed. And that's another thing that's really important. These programs can exist, but if people don't know about them, they don't know how to apply, they don't have the support to do it, they're not going to benefit from it. So that's something that we're really proud of that we did last year to support renters who were having really hard times. You know, in 2020, we put together a solidarity fund for people who have been impacted by the pandemic to help them move forward. You know, in 2020, our canvassers actually, we stopped all our programming because of the pandemic and because of COVID, but they volunteered to go to their grocery store and get groceries for people who needed them. And I think that shows like the community and the mutual aid and kind of just the importance of, for coming together and supporting each other and why that's like such an important value for us, you know, and, and something that we're committed to doing. Right, right. I mean, you're in it 365 days a year. Yeah, we're always knocking on doors. We're always talking to people about issues concerning them. And we're always responding. You know, we constantly have rapid responses that we have to do. You know, someone's being detained in a, in a facility. Someone's losing their housing. They're being evicted. So these are things that we constantly have to be responding to. So a lack of understanding of how our government works is often a stumbling block for voters who are eager to see change, but they don't know where that change flows from. I mean, in other words, they may not know that their senator is not in charge of the town septic issues. Do you do any sort of civic education? Yeah, so that's been a big project of ours as we started in 2021. We created a political education committee, which their campaign was redistricting. 
So they were heavily involved in the redistricting process, learning about what redistricting was and how it impacted them. They were part of collecting 135 unity maps that we then submitted to the Legislative Reapportionment Commission that kind of showed this is what our communities look like. This is what we want our communities to look like. And that was an amazing experience because our members had been involved in the census, ensuring that everyone was counted was a big deal. And those, so they were able to see those steps, the census, redistricting, and now voting, and how that's all connected. That the census makes sure that we're represented correctly, and then redistricting gives us the opportunity to draw districts in a way that is also representative, but also gives us the opportunity to elect candidates of choice, which was a big thing that we were advocating for throughout the redistricting process. Fair and equitable maps that really took into account disenfranchisement that has happened for decades. And did that actually happen? I mean, what happened with your redistricting? Yeah. We are pretty happy with what happened because of the redistricting process. Pleasantly surprised about the impact that we were able to have. Like, We felt heard, you know, always there's room for improvement, but these are the best maps in the last 30 years. So we definitely see more competitive districts, more fair, equitable districts, and more representative districts. We know there's still a lot more work to do, but this is definitely a step forward. That's so refreshing to hear. All I hear are horror stories about redistricting. I love that you guys were able to be heard, maybe move the needle, make a difference. It's huge. Okay, so well, let's talk about what it's like in Pennsylvania right now. A lot of people listening might be in blue states, and it's hard for us to imagine what it's like to live in a purple state, or maybe, I don't even know if purple is the right word, maybe it's just like red butting heads with blue. And what is it like in Pennsylvania in these very polarized times? Are you feeling that pressure Absolutely. I think our communities are feeling that pressure because, you know, we're advocating for these transformative policies that will impact people and make real change, but it's not able to happen. You know, we were able to pass Act 77 in 2019 that expanded voting rights, you know, vote by mail, drop boxes, being able to register to vote 15 days before an election, things like that, that are now are under attack. And we see a direct correlation. We know 2020, there was huge turnout from communities of color, and this is a backlash to that. And so we are constantly fighting against that and, you know, saying that voting should be easy and convenient for everyone. Everyone that's eligible to vote should be able to exercise that right. So, you know, having vote by mail is something that is essential. It means that you don't have to go to a polling site between 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. You can just drop off your ballot somewhere. It's so convenient. It helps working class people. And, you know, I think something for everyone to think about is, you know, people of color are part of the working class. There's this emphasis on white working class men, but people of color are also part of that working class. And these are things that benefit everyone in the working class. Benefits single mothers, benefits elderly citizens. These are all things that are good for our democracy, so we shouldn't be fighting against them. Right. So what kinds of things are you seeing since 2020 that have been restricting voting rights? Yeah. So in January, the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania struck down the provision of vote by mail in Act 77. It was upheld by the Supreme Court, but we foresee that this is going to be under attack again. So currently you still can vote by mail, but that might change and it's currently under attack. Just recently, the district attorney in Lehigh County said that anyone that returned more than one mail-in ballot would be arrested. 
So we see the criminalization of people and attack on people. Anyone who turned in more than one, like you can only turn in your own. Correct. Wow. So let's say like I was turning in a ballot for my grandmother or my partner that I live with. Like one of us goes to the drop off place. So I think it's just really criminalizing people and discouraging people from using this new way of voting. It's really discouraging people, making people scared and suppressing the vote. That is what it's doing. Right. That's the whole point. There are a lot of important races in this year's midterms, but the Pennsylvania races seem to be incredibly important. Like the whole country is focused on them. Why do you think that's the case? And what races are you most focused on? Yeah. When they say Pennsylvania is a battleground state, that is not an understatement. (laughs) It is 100% true. You know, the governor's race is going to be really important. We know having a Democratic governor has been really important, especially since we have a majority Republican state legislature. So that's going to be extremely important. And so this I'm speaking with my C4 hat, make the road action. So that's going to be extremely important. And then the U.S. Senate race. Since 1948, there haven't been two Democratic senators from Pennsylvania. So it would be historic. And, you know, I think we have been advocating for a pathway to citizenship. Uh, We're hoping that would be part of the Build Back Better package in the infrastructure. And that didn't happen. So, you know, we really are thinking about, like, how can we ensure that we elect people who are going to align with these values and deliver for our communities because up to this po- up until this point they haven't been delivering for our communities right and you know people feel disillusioned i think a lot of times young voters and voters of color are, are seen as apathetic but i would say they're fed up they're fed up of always turning out they're fed up of being there but then nothing's ever delivered for them so i think that's something for people to think about And I think other local races that are really important, we have some Senate District 16. There's a race there that there might be an opportunity there. To flip a seat? Mm Mm-hmm. House District 134. Okay. I was going to ask you about that. You mentioned that the Pennsylvania State Legislature has a Republican majority. Do you see any realistic chance of chipping away at that or maybe even flipping a house? One of the chambers. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if we will flip, but I do think there'll be some opportunities to have more Democrat representation. But I do think that it's going to take work. And the reality is for us to be able to see the transformative change that we want, we need to elect more progressives into the state legislature because we could present all the policy we want or all the legislation that we want, but if it's not being voted in, it doesn't matter. And that's a challenge that we're facing, that all this great legislation gets introduced, but nothing happens with it because we don't have a legislature that is interested in in doing so. Right. And as you mentioned, it's been crucial to have a Democratic governor, and there is a governor's race this year. What's on the line? I mean, what what is it going to look like if a Republican holds that seat and the legislature stays with a Republican majority? I think we're going to continue to see a rollback on voting rights, which we've already seen the beginning of that. Stricter voting rules and laws. I think we're going to see more anti-immigrant rhetoric. I think the two major issues that we're going to see both at the federal and local races is around the economy, immigration, and voting rights. Because one side is talking about, you know, voting rights in a different way, like making it more exclusive. 
And one side is talking about how do we expand voting rights, right? But we constantly see this narrative around cheating and elections being stolen and it hasn't gone away. But, you know, then on the other side, we're talking about, hey, like we need to expand voting rights. People should have more access to vote. We should make election day a, a holiday, things like that. Right. So you mentioned in terms of your electoral work, you mentioned a bunch of things that you do in terms of voter outreach, education, registration. Is that right? Correct. Yes. And like specifically, what do you have lined up between now? I know you guys have a primary in a couple of weeks. What do you have lined up for the primary? How are you going to focus your efforts? And then I assume you'll start working on the general election. Yeah, for this primary, we're going to be really focused on some local races in Lehigh County and Berks County. That DA. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, but when that does happen. But we're going to be knocking on doors, talking to voters. We've been making calls around vote by mail, just letting people know that they can still vote by mail, that they can request their mail-in ballots. We've also been making calls to let people know who have requested their ballot, that they should receive it two weeks before the election, that if they have any problems, this is where they should call. So we're continuing to do that voter outreach and education. And within our own membership, doing education, like these are the races. This is why the governor's race is important. This is why the Senate race is important. And really breaking it down for people so that they feel informed. And one of the biggest things that we're committed to doing is getting and knocking on doors as early as possible. Something that folks might not be familiar with is like there's a way like there's lingo, right, of how how you do this work. And there's like persuasion doors that are usually focused on people who vote more regularly. And then there's mobilization doors that's just focused on everyone. But that's usually a lot closer to the election. We're arguing that communities of color are persuasion doors, that they should be prioritized, that the earlier we knock on those doors, the better chance we have of turning out those voters and turning them out for progressive candidates. Because oftentimes our communities feel like they're an afterthought. You know, you're coming to someone's doors two weeks before an election telling them they need to vote for vote in this election and and they don't know anything about it. So I think that's key for us, really hitting the ground running, doing that education work so that voters feel confident and prepared to vote. Have you seen an increase in the number of voters from your communities as you know, since you guys started? Yeah, we've definitely seen an increase in voter turnout in BIPOC communities, Black, Indigenous, people of color communities. We definitely, since our inception, we've seen that rise by 30%. Wow, that's a huge number. Yeah. And I know you talked about gerrymandering and redistricting and, and the impact you had there. Do you have any examples of how you've had an impact on any elections? Yeah, so in 2020... We were able to support in electing the first Latino to represent Reading in Harrisburg, Mani Guzman. And, you know, we've seen the results in that. You know, we've seen more education funding for Reading school districts and a champion to advocate for our issues. The year before that, we elected the first Latino mayor in Reading, Pennsylvania. So we have seen some great wins. So in 2020, we were able to make over 2.5 million calls. We were able to text over 1.3 million people. And we were able to reach 92,000 voters. So we were able to contact 92,000 voters. 80% of those people contacted voted on election day. Great. What are your goals for the rest of this year? And then what will you be doing for the next two years on the electoral side of things? 
Yeah, we're going to continue for this year. We're going to continue knocking on doors, educating voters. We're going to have volunteer phone banks and texting. So we're going to have multi-layered tactics to reach voters. We want to also do some message testing to see what's moving voters. I know there is a lot of talk and concern about Latino men. You know, they are swing voters. I would say Latino voters are swing voters. And like I mentioned before, um, we should be thinking of doing persuasion with those voters as well. So I think a key thing is us hearing from the community where the issues impacting them and ensuring that candidates are aware of that and that their campaigns should be targeted around that messaging. So I think that that'll be important for the work that we do moving forward. And, you know, we're going to have some local elections that are going to be important in 2023, county commissioners, which have a lot of say in what happens at the county level. So that's something we're definitely going to be interested in. Mayor's races, there's going to be some city council races. So there's going to be a lot going on in 2023. And then 2024, I mean, now we're building the foundation for 2024. That's why it's so important that we're getting out there. We're continuing to be in contact with voters. You know, we see voting and voter registration as a tactic to build power in our communities. But we know like we have to continue the conversation. And for us, that continues. We invite them to be part of our, our organization. We connect with them on what issues are important to them and invite them to join us at actions, activities, things that we're doing that, you know, are advocating for or helping them push forward that issue that they have. Let's zoom out a little to the big picture. Can you provide those of us who don't live in Pennsylvania with some reasons why they should support a group like yours that is focused solely on Pennsylvania? Yeah, I think it's key to our democracy as a whole. We want to ensure that we are electing progressives and Pennsylvania is a battleground state. We saw what can happen when changes happen in other states. So if we want to ensure that we can continue advocating for the changes we want to see, we have to make sure we have representatives that are going to stand up and do that, you know, and holding those representatives accountable, because I think that's one piece that's really important and one piece that we're really committed to, because we've seen it time and time again that oftentimes things aren't delivered for working class people, for communities of color. So that's something that we're, we're always gonna advocate for. But it's key. It's key that we're able to elect progressive folks in Pennsylvania and it benefits the entire country. If you had a magic wand, what would be top of your wish list of policies or outcomes that would have the greatest benefit for your community? A pathway to citizenship. That would be the top priority. There'd be millions of people who have been living here for decades and living in constant fear, paying taxes, being part of our communities and still having to live in fear, but also not being represented. So I think that for me would be key. These were people who were delivering food, were working at warehouses, were doing all this work during the pandemic so that we could all live our lives and you know, at that time they were called heroes, but they haven't gotten anything. And not that, not because of this, that they should get it. They should get it because they're human beings who've been living here for decades. They are part of our country and they deserve to have dignity and to live without fear. What would it take to achieve that? I think it would take definitely having elected representatives that can be champions, that can be courageous and push the needle forward. I think we've seen that people kind of feel squeamish about it, but I think we need a brave face. We need people to 
take this on. And this is an economic issue. And I think that framing is important. People understanding like this will add to our economy. This will support our economy and that this is a good thing. So when you receive donations from groups like Stacy's Blueprint by Swing Left, what sorts of things are you using them for? Yeah, to hire staff, to be able to knock on doors, to be able to pay the current staff that we have, to build out programs, just message testing and things like that, to use different digital tools to do our work. All these contributions go to things like that, to pay for rent in our offices and things like that, just like daily things that are important. But the key thing is being able to hire and recruit people from our community to carry out this work. And of course, we all know how important donations are, but if people wanted to do more, are there other ways to get involved? Absolutely. So like I mentioned earlier, we will be doing volunteer phone banking and texting. So that's a way people could get involved, you know, on social media. That's an easy way to get involved. But we definitely invite people to join our phone banking and texting efforts. We're going to be starting that in mid-June. And we'll have both C3 efforts that are nonpartisan, but we also will have C4 efforts that are partisan. Okay, so if people want to learn more about Make the Road Pennsylvania, make a donation or and or volunteer for things like phone banking, how do they do that? Yeah, so you can go to our Facebook page. Our C3 Facebook page is Make the Road Pennsylvania. And then our C4, you could go to Make the Road Action Pennsylvania. Okay, great. And if they want to, if people want to donate, they can do it that way as well. Yes, you can find a donate button there. And also, I'm happy to share. We have blue pages that I'm happy to share where people can donate there. Okay, great. So if you send me those links, I can put them in the in the notes. Great. Well, thank you, Diana, so much for talking to me today. It's really just remarkable, everything you're able to get done and, and how you're engaging voters and how you're serving your community. So thank you so much for speaking to me about that. Thank you. It was great being here. And yes, please, I encourage everyone to learn more about what's happening in Pennsylvania. And if you're able to donate your time or your money, we would really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. New Faces of Democracy is created and produced by me, Nancy Bynum. And in addition to being the host, I'm also the CEO, the CFO, and the administrative assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please help New Faces of Democracy grow by subscribing on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out my other profiles at newfacesofdemocracy.org and follow New Faces of Democracy on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook.